0: Just turn your attention to Jesus. Give him thanks this morning. Just say you're welcome here this morning. There's none like you. You're the high and exalted one, the creator of heaven and earth. You're the one who satisfies our deepest desire and at the same time grows hunger inside of us. We're so desperate for you, Jesus, for more of your presence. There's no one else that's worth pursuing. There's no one else that's worth giving our lives for. We don't want to live comfortable any longer. We want to be consumed with passion for you. And so I ask this morning that you would awaken a hunger, you'd awaken a passion inside of us. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you that it's not just a passing thing but that we're invited to walk in your presence at every moment of every day. Oh, Jesus, you're worthy. You're so good. In the book of Exodus, it talks about, Exodus chapter 33, it talks about that Moses is having this discussion with God. And essentially he says, if your presence won't go with us, we won't go. Because it's your presence that differentiates us from every other nation. And I think as a church, we need to recognize that it is the presence of God that literally... Sets us apart. That, that we talk about holiness and what it means to be holy. holy the, the word holy actually means to be set apart. It is the presence of God that makes us holy. It's the presence of God that sets us apart from every other nation, every other belief system, every other thought, way of thinking in the world. His presence. It was prophesied that Jesus would come and be Emmanuel, God, with us. That He would come and He would set up tent. Set up His tent with us. And I believe one of the greatest things for the church to understand is that there's not supposed to be a time where we step out of His presence. That there's actually a calling on our lives to live set apart, to live holy, to live different, but it comes from being in his presence, continually. It comes from his presence going with us. But maybe you say this morning, "Well, well, that's a that's great idea in theory. But what about when real life hits? What about when I have bills to pay? What about when I don't have a place to live? What about when my family is falling apart? What about when the circumstances that are around me feel so overwhelming? You know, it's easy to say that we're supposed to stay in God's presence. But what about when real life happens? Because here's the thing, is our default... When those kind of things happen, it's fear, it's worry, anxiety. What's your default? When real life happens, what's your default? See, the problem is, when that stuff happens, we move into fear and worry and anxiety. Because at that moment our situation has become bigger than God in our lives. In our view of our lives, in our our perspective, our situation is bigger than God, and so now we've switched. And now we're worshipping our circumstances and our situation instead of worshipping Jesus. That's what's happening. When worry and anxiety and fear take root in your life, when they take root in our lives, It's because in that situation, we have started worshiping the situation instead of Jesus. The situation looks bigger, more intimidating than the lion seated on the throne. Is that really all it takes for the enemy to steal our worship? I want to ask you this this morning. What if a good week wasn't a week without any problems or trials? What if a good week was a week where we could say, the storm came and went and I did not move? My eyes stayed fixed on the lion. So often we're like, oh, you know, it was a good week because well, you know, everything was just going right. Right? Everything that that I wanted to happen happened and, oh, that was such a good week. There were no unexpected problems or trials. But what if in the midst of that we could actually say, the storm came and went and I didn't move. I didn't shift my focus. When will we get it? that Jesus' life is meant to fill our lives. That what is displayed in the life of Jesus is actually our example for how we're meant to live. When will we get it that the God who created the universe, the one who spoke and there was light, that he is closer to us than the air that we breathe. That he is with us, that he is in us, that he wants to be so intimately involved in our lives. A a few years ago, uh, we were selling a vehicle. And so I listed it online and I kept getting these messages from people, and they'd be like, oh, hey, so I would love to buy your vehicle. I'll even pay you more than it's worth. Uh, the only problem is, you know, I'm out of the country right now, and, uh, you know, I will uh, we'll, we'll sort it out, though. Don't worry, I'll pay you more. So I'd write them back. I'd be like, hey, no worries, where are you? They'd be like, oh, I'm in this country. I'm like, hey, I'm right next door. Let's meet up. They'd be like, oh, no, actually, I'm leaving tomorrow, and I'm going to this other. I'm like, oh, so am I. And then eventually they'd catch on and they'd stop writing me. And then it would happen again. It was, oh, it'd be the same story. you know? Oh, I'm just out of the country you know, visiting a sick relative, but I'll, I'll pay you more. We'd run through the same story, and it happened five or six times every time I'd list a vehicle or anything to sell. See, there's something about. when you don't know someone that you can't trust them, right? Like if you receive an email and the guy's like, hey, you don't know me but I'm a Nigerian prince and I have two million dollars I want to give you. Just send me your bank account and your credit card information. Right? You're like, "Uh, no, I don't think so. But if your mom or your dad wrote you and said, hey, I just won the lottery, I've got two million dollars I want to give you, can you send me your bank information? You'd send it to them, unless your parents are scammers. I'm sorry for you, if that's the case. They just need Jesus. But there's something about, when you don't know somebody, you can't trust them, right? There's, there's this idea of, when they're unknown, there's, there's a distance that's there, you can't trust their heart. When it comes to a scammer, they don't care if they screw you over. Because there's a distance there. There's an unknownness. They don't see that you have kids, that you have bills to pay. There's something about distance that leaves, that, that, that implies that you can't trust somebody because there's an unknownness. But God is about revealing. There's this, there's this mindset that we have nowadays where it's more humble or more spiritual or that we are more somehow spiritually developed if God remains unknown. Because after all, we are just humans and how can we know an infinite God? But Jesus came to reveal the nature and the character of the Father. He didn't come so that that God would remain unknown to us. If it was just about paying for your sins, He could have come, died on the cross, and went back up to heaven, all done. But He came to reveal the nature and the character of the Father. So that we could actually learn to trust who He is. Because you can't trust somebody that is unknown to you. But when we look at the life of Jesus, we see the nature and the character of the Father revealed. So that we can actually step into relationship, that we can actually step into trust. See, when something is unknown, it implies that there's a distance. When someone is unknown, you can't trust their motives. And so the natural response is, yes, you need to be afraid, you need to be anxious, you need to be worried. Those things are justified if God is unknown. But if he is revealed through the person of Jesus, that we can actually see his faithfulness, Then when God says, don't worry, we actually have a reason not to worry. And I want to encourage us this morning that we need to be wary of worry if we want to stay present in His presence. Say that ten times fast. See, worry and anxiety is one of the number one ways that we leave His presence. When I'm worried, when I'm anxious, that situation in front of me is actually bigger in my mind than Jesus is. Worry and anxiety take root any place where I haven't allowed the presence of Jesus in my life, where I haven't allowed him to manifest himself think about it. If if, if I'm worried about finances, it's because I haven't allowed Jesus to reveal himself as my provider. If I'm worried about my children, it's because I haven't allowed Jesus to reveal himself as my protector. Come on now. That's a hard word, I know. Because you're looking at yourself, you're like, oh, maybe I'm not letting Jesus into all the areas. See, worry and anxiety and fear take root wherever we don't allow the presence of Jesus. Because when I allow them, then I get to start seeing His faithfulness in those areas. Now I have testimonies, right, where, where I've trusted Him with my provision, financial or, or housing provision. Where I've trusted Him in that, I can go back and be like, maybe right now I don't see what's coming, but I know what He did for me. I know how he provided over and over. I know how I saw him in those moments. How he was so intimately close. Fear is a liar. It will tell you that it's the biggest thing in the room. But Jesus... The lamb who is slain, but not just the lamb who is slain, the lion who is sitting in victory. How can we live so that no matter what comes? We will not be shaken. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 16. Psalm chapter 16, starting at verse 5. This is what David says. He puts it this way. He says, Lord, I have chosen you alone as my inheritance. You are my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. I leave my destiny and its timing in your hands. Is there anybody this morning who needs to leave their destiny and its timing in God's hands? Some of us are like, oh God, I leave you my destiny, but hey, you've got to do it right now. I need that timing. Your pleasant path, listen to this, your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by the privileges that come with following you. For you have given me the best. The way you counsel and correct me makes me praise you more. For your whispers in the night Give me wisdom, showing me what to do next. Because you are close to me and always available, my confidence will never be shaken. For I experience your wraparound presence every moment. This is David writing this. This was a man who understood what it meant to have things come at him. This was a man who grew up tending sheep and ended up being anointed to be king of Israel. Now, usually when there's a king and another king gets anointed, the first king's not too happy. And so David spent a huge portion of his life running away from the the king named Saul. Saul tried multiple times to kill him. You could almost look at David's life and be like, well, that doesn't look like a very pleasant place. right?" But yet he's declaring that the the path of God for his life leads him to pleasant places. Why? What is it that David has experienced where he can actually make a declaration like that in the midst of everything else that's going on? How often in our own lives... Does stuff happen? Sometimes it's the smallest thing and right away our focus goes from God, you're amazing to look at this huge problem. I have a splinter. Really, how often do the small things in our lives, we make them out to be bigger than they actually are? Because we don't know the intimate presence of Jesus with us. We don't understand what Paul writes here. He says, because you are close to me and always available, my confidence will never be shaken. Why will his confidence not be shaken? Because God is close. Why should your confidence not be shaken? Uh, I don't know. Why shouldn't I be shaken? Because he is close to you. His wrap around presence. In the King James Version, it's written this way. It says, I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I will not be moved. What does it look like to set the Lord always before me? See, that looks like a really hard thing if our idea of who God is is small. Because then every time, oh, I've got to take this. Okay, take this, move it, right. But if we understand that Jesus is the Lion of Judah, what do you do when you're when you're faced down with a lion? Or maybe for our context, a bear or a cougar? <laughs> they're big. They're, they they take up space. You don't look at it. You're not like, oh hey, how's it going? And you walk away right you are constantly focused and if that lion moves if if it even flinches you're you're ready right you don't you don't pay attention to what's happening here because you're constantly focused tracking with that oh, we got, right your sight is not moved off of the lion that is in front of you you're not you're not concerned that there's maybe a tree there or a, a small dog or a deer. Right? When a lion is in front of you, that takes all of your focus. You're consumed every moment, every movement that it, that it makes, every muscle flinch, you're, paying aware, you're, you're, you're aware of it. You're paying attention to it. That's what David is talking about. When I set the Lord always before me, I will not be shaken. The little things that the enemy tries to throw at you, to discourage you, to disrupt you, to steal your worship, I will not be shaken because there is a lion in front of me. Come on, somebody. I put him before me so that I don't miss a thing that he's doing. And David says, he is constantly at my right hand. The right hand implies the thing, the, the place of power. When somebody's seated at your right hand, it's, they're seated at your place of power. What's at your right hand is the thing that you reach. This is not right. I, I realize that. I realized that as I was doing it. This is, okay, I'm directionally challenged. Just ask my wife when I try and give directions. I'm like, yeah, turn left. No, turn right. No, turn, whichever way this is. the other left <laughs> whatever's at my right hand is what i reach for when i'm in distress so what do you reach for when life gets tough what do you reach for when it feels like everything's falling apart you're reaching for fear and anxiety and worry Or is it the presence of Jesus that is so intimately close? What happens when he is continually before me? I want to read you a few passages really quick. You can take down the references and, and read them later. Genesis 26:24 It says, Where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. He said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham your servant. Joshua 1.9, this is my command, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Matthew 14.27, then Jesus said, be brave and don't be afraid, I am here. Matthew 28.20, he says, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of the age. You notice what these passages have in common. Do not fear. Why? Because I am with you. Do not fear. Why? Because I am with you. Do not fear. Why? Because I am with you. You see, it's in the presence of the Word, the Word who is Jesus, that fear is displaced. No fear, I am with you. This isn't about just living unafraid. Oh, I'm not afraid of anything. It's why am I not afraid? I am not afraid because I know that He is with me. It's the word that He's spoken where He said, I am here that causes me not to fear, not to worry, not to be anxious. See, when I know the character of Jesus, when I know his faithfulness, that's when fear leaves. Knowing his faithfulness is what dispels the fear of the future because I know what he's done. So it's at the presence of his word because he declares, I am here. See, but it's not a disembodied word. It's not that he speaks and and it's a a word without a, a physical form. He speaks out of the presence of him being there. He speaks to us because he is present. Do you understand that? So our job then is to protect what he is saying and to keep what he's saying always before us. I said last week that, that the word is Jesus in print. In Greek it's the same word for word as it is for the word who was with God in Genesis or sorry in John chapter 1. So don't tell me that you love Jesus and you don't love his word. Because that's not true. You can't love Jesus and not love his word. It's the same. He is the word. So we need to take his word, who is Jesus, the lion of Judah. Okay, we got that? Got that sorted? And we need to set it continually before us. We need to take that word and we need to plant it in our lives. But we talked a few weeks ago, we talked about the parable that Jesus tells about the seeds that, that is planted in the different kinds of soil. The soil represents the heart, the seed represents the, the word. If you want to hear that, you can go back and listen to the message. The idea is that it's not just about planting, it's about protecting. We need to plant the word that he's spoken. But we also need to cultivate a place that is protected for his word to grow. Our job is to protect the word. By setting it continually before us, we protect the word that he's spoken. So often we look at worry and anxiety and fear and we're like, well, it's not really a big deal. Right? Like if I just, you know, I'm, I'm not really sinning if I just worry a little bit. But what happens when you worry and when you partner with anxiety and fear is that it starts to choke out the word that he's spoken. It starts to... There's things that we're taking in, that some of you are taking in. You're following on social media, you're you're reading certain news, there's, there's certain things that you're buying into and you're filling you're filling yourselves with that are choking out the word of God. In your life. There's things where, where we're like, well, it's not really a big deal. Or one of the examples is, is There's this movement that's happened where it's like, well, we don't really need to come together as the church. Except that through Paul, Jesus commanded that we don't stop meeting together. And so we we kind of first stop coming, and then all of a sudden we're feeling lonely, and and we don't have any accountability for the word that God has spoken in our lives. And we're wondering, why is that happening? It's because of the things we've allowed in, instead of protecting the word that He's spoken. This isn't about being oblivious or being in denial. It's not about pretending like something's not happening or not going on. But it's about what are we allowing into our lives? And is it protecting the word that God has spoken? Do we hold such a high value for his word? For his presence? That we will do whatever it takes to guard the seed. Some of you are trying to grow sunflowers. And when, I'll explain that. (laughs) When you're trying to grow sunflowers, right, especially here on this island, you put up a big fence. Why? Exactly, deer. When you're trying to plant a garden, you don't put rabbits in with the garden. When you're trying to plant sunflowers, you don't put deer in the garden. But some of you are trying to grow sunflowers and you're raising deer in the same fenced area. The Word of God is like that flower that you're trying to to raise and to grow in your life and you want to see the outcome of that. But at the same time, you're allowing worry and anxiety to come and to live in that same space. And then you wonder, why am I not seeing a harvest? Or why is my harvest all chewed up? Because we're allowing fear and anxiety and worry into the same plot where we're trying to grow with the Word of God. We need to protect what God has spoken. We need to protect the Word of God, to protect His presence with us, where we set it continually before us as the biggest thing, biggest person in our lives. Jesus doesn't want you to live in fear and anxiety and worry. That's why he said, do not fear, I am with you. And as we set him at that place, that's where we actually see worry disappear, anxiety disappear. Last week I shared a a part of my testimony about how I had been in an armed robbery. I wasn't the robber, I was only six years old, so it's okay. And how because of that anxiety and fear took root in my life. But it was in the prayer and the praise, and the focusing on who Jesus is, that that was broken off my life. I grew up with so much fear. I was afraid of snakes. I was afraid of spiders. I was afraid of the dark. I was afraid, like, you name it. Like, don't go in the basement because there might be spiders in the dark. But one by one, Jesus broke off those fears. Why? Because he was with me. He displayed over and over the faithfulness Of what it looks like to live in His presence. The faithfulness of who He is. The faithfulness of His Word that says, Do not fear, I am with you. So I want to close with this be wary of worry, to stay present in His presence. There are actually things that we need to deny a place of influence in our lives. Not everything should have equal opportunity to influence you. If we're going to experience living in the presence of Jesus, if we're going to be living with a lion, our focus can't be taken up by a deer. We can't leave the door to the garden of our hearts wide open. We have a choice. Fear or love. Anxiety or trust. Worry or faith. It's your choice. But we have to make a choice between one or the other because we can't cultivate both in the same space. You can't have both. Either worry is the God of your life or Jesus is. Either anxiety is the God of your life or Jesus is. Either fear or Jesus. You choose who you want. Let's pray. Mike, do you want to come up? Jesus, I ask that you would give us a revelation of who you are, of your glory, of how great you are as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lion of the tribe of praise. Church, this morning, if there's an area of your life where you've allowed fear or anxiety or worry to take root, what I want to do is I want to invite you to come to the front.